was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. And they said, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O you Jews, reason word that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, you look to it. I will not be a judge in such by any drave them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment throne. And Gallio cared for none of these things. Paul went over the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. Paulus he was an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, and he came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And when he began to speak in the synagogue, Quill and Priscilla, when they heard him, they propounded unto him the gospel more perfectly. When he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrought, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. And he mightily convinced the Jews in that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper course, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Unbelieving, did you not receive the Holy Spirit? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? They said, Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Apostle Paul spent one year and six months in Corinth because the Lord had told him to keep on teaching and not to be silent, for he had many people in that city. And, you know, in your city, there are many people who need to hear and be taught about Jesus. Well, Paul then goes on another journey, revisiting the disciples in Galatia and in the Phrygian regions, strengthening their faith. Luke then introduces us to Apollos, a Jew from the city of Alexandria in northern Egypt. He was taken under the care of Aquila and Priscilla, who taught him the way of God more accurately. And it is important to know the entire Word of God exactly as God meant it. Next, we find Paul in Ephesus, 
And there he finds 12 men who were believers in the message they'd heard from John the Baptist, but had not heard about Jesus. For John had said people were to believe in Jesus who was coming after him. These 12 men believed and then were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they received the Holy Spirit of God. Here's Dr. Mitchell, Acts chapter 18, verse 12. This is the Unchanging Word, Bible broadcast. Thank you. Again, we come to you. And you know, it's a wonderful thing for you and me, whatever you may be, to sit down and just discuss together the precious Word of God. The only, the only thing, of course, is I do all the talking. But you can go along with me and meditate with me as we think upon these precious truths that are given to us in the Word of God. Now, in dealing in the book of Acts with chapter 18, Paul had left philosophical Athens in chapter 17, where there was a very, very few who believed. In fact, they, they kind of ridiculed the gospel of salvation, especially the truth of the resurrection from the dead. Then he came to licentious Corinth, wealthy, luxurious, immoral, drunken city. As I said a while ago, to be called a Corinthian was, one, was a vile word. And Paul went down there and he preached to the Jews and they greatly, greatly burdened for the people of Israel. And he reasoned in the, in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. And he was pressed in his spirit. That is, he was burdened and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And you remember they opposed themselves and blasphemed. And he shook his raiment and he said, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go to the Gentiles. Now the, uh, the, word, the, the, country is, the world is wide open to the ministry of the word of God, not restricted to just Jews. Paul always went to the Jews first. Then when he was driven out, he went to the Gentiles. And the door to the Gentiles is becoming more and more open. So he came down to licentious uh, Corinth, was spurned by the Jewish people, and then he came to him, the house of a man by the name of Justice who worshipped God. And you remember how a great many of the Corinthians believed, were baptized. And I think Paul was full of fear and uncertainty about staying there. As he said in his own testimony in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I was with you in fear and in much trembling. I didn't come with words of man's wisdom lest your faith might stand in the wisdom of men instead of the power of God. And how the Lord came and encouraged him in verses 7 to 10. The Lord gave him souls, gave him leaders. He was there for 18 months ministering the word of God. And God said to him, wonderful promise, I have much people in this place. In Corinth, yes, in Corinth. Only place to look for them and find them. You know, I'm reminded of that verse in Matthew chapter 9, the last two verses where the Lord Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw the multitude and he had compassion upon the multitudes for they were as sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest to thrust forth laborers into his harvest. There's a harvest to be gathered in. But with much, much of us, most of us Christians, our sickles, a blunt doesn't cut very deep, does it? We know so little, so little of bringing many, many people to the Lord. Now we have the opposition to the gospel. And again, it's spearheaded by the Jews, these unbelieving Jews. 
After the Lord had told him, you stay right where you are. I've got much people in this city and I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll tell you when El Shaddai speaks. You know it's true. And now verse 12. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. And they said, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O you Jews, reason word that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, you look to it. I will not be a judge in such mind. He drave them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment throne. And Gallio cared for none of these things. You know, I would like to just stop here for a moment. This man, Gallio, uh, this man was the deputy from Achaia, and he was the brother of the Roman philosopher by the name of Seneca. Seneca was one of the greatest senators of the Roman people. And you know, he wrote about his brother, and he said, you know, this Gallio, my brother, is very kind, and he's mild, and he's amiable. He's a natural power for good. But you know, oftentimes, good people are indifferent. For I read, Gallio cared for none of these things. He's not going to have a religious quarrel in his court. Now, you get out of here. Or Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or wicked lunacy, you reason what I would do. It's only a question of words and names of your law. You look to it. I won't, I won't judge such matters. Get out of my court. You drave them out of the judgment seat. And they took the chief ruler of the synagogue, beat him up. And Gallio cared for none of these things. Do we care? I just asked the question, do we care? Gallio cared for none of these things. He didn't want to be troubled. Like a lot of people today, they don't want to be bothered. And a man said to me one time when I was witnessing to him, he said, Mr. Mitchell, I would rather not hear about it. Just like that. I would rather not hear about it. Indifferent. You know, it's bad to be indifferent, but it's worse when people are satisfied in their indifference. And I'm afraid, and I say this kindly, I'm afraid there are a great many people today would rather not hear the gospel. They would rather not hear about the Lord Jesus. They want, they want to be left alone in their indifference. They're satisfied to be indifferent. May the Lord deliver us from indifference. May the Lord deliver us Christians from being indifferent to the great love and grace of the Lord Jesus and may the Lord de deliver us from being indifferent or cold of heart toward those for whom Christ died, those who are not saved. Now, one could say quite a bit here. I'm just leaving it with you. I ask you the question, how indifferent are you to the gospel? You say, well, I've accepted the Savior. All right, how are you concerning the unsaved? Now, you have the opposition here, always the opposition Remember, when a person accepts a Savior, it doesn't belong to this world. That's what the unbeliever said. You don't belong here. 
We'd rather you weren't here. Christians are, when a Christian walks before God in the midst of the world, they come under conviction. His very life convicts them. Now, starting in at verse 18 and running through to the end of the chapter, you have where Paul tarries with them for a while, then he went right back, then he went right back to, to Jerusalem. He bid them farewell at Ephesus. He just went by Ephesus, and he, uh, he must go to Jerusalem to keep the feast. And I will return again to you if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus, landed at Caesarea, went up to Jerusalem, and then he went down to Antioch from where he had gone to preach the gospel. Now, starting in at verse 23, and following right on through chapter 20, you have where you have Paul's third missionary journey. He went over the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And then from verse 24 to the end of the chapter, you have this man, this Jew called Apollos. Apollos, by the way, was a disciple of John the Baptist. He was an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, and he came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. I notice he only knew the baptism of John. And when he began to speak in the synagogue, uh, this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, they, when they heard him, uh, they propounded unto him the gospel more perfectly. And then he, when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. And he mightily convinced the Jews in that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Now we come to chapter 19. And here you have, here you have an amazing chapter. First of all, the gospel was received. How the gospel was received. Before I take it up, may I just suggest this. Paul, you remember, was at Ephesus for three years. And we're coming to a portion of Scripture. Be well for us to spend some time on it. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But it's well for you to spend some time on it. The detail of it. The marvel of it. I think that Ephesus possibly became the most spiritual, uh, best taught church of the early, of the first century. When you come to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, the first seven verses, you remember how John wrote to the Ephesian church. And he only had one thing against them. They had lost their fervency of love for the Savior. Uh, they, they loved the Lord. They, are, they were well taught in doctrine. They hated the things that God hates. But they'd lost something of their fervency, their first love, that freshness of love for the Savior. And when you come to chapter 20, from verse 17 on down through, you have Paul meeting with the elders of the Ephesian church on the short Miletus. I want you to say something else about the Ephesian church from here, the gospel reached out all over that part of the world. From Ephesus, it went up to Laodicea and to Hierapolis and to Colossae and other portions. There was a, there was a real work of grace done at Ephesus. And notice how it starts and what God did. I want you to mark that after what I've just said. Now, first of all, in the first seven verses, how the gospel was received. Chapter 19, 1 to 7. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, 
Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Or let me change the wording. The revised text says, Unbelieving, did you not receive the Holy Spirit? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And he said, they said, Under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands, his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. I've just read that. I've taken the time to read that. Twelve men in the synagogue who had been John's disciples. Possibly they had come to know about John through Apollos. For you remember in chapter 18, uh, from 24 on, Apollos went down to Ephesus and he preached with great eloquency, fervent in spirit, but he, all he knew was the baptism of John. And then you remember these, this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, these friends of Paul's, these tent makers, uh, they took him to one side and, and taught him uh, what the gospel was. And he left Ephesus and went out and preached. Now, when Paul came into the synagogue at Ephesus, he missed something. He missed the presence of the Spirit of God. Now, let me, let me suggest this to you. Don't think for one moment there were only 12 men in the synagogue. In fact, Ephesus had a very large community of Jewish people, merchants and otherwise. There was a large synagogue at, at uh, Ephesus, but there were 12 men there who had a real heart for God. And, and Paul saw them as something missing. And, and you know, when he asked the question, on believing, did you not receive the Holy Spirit? Why, well, we've never even heard about any Holy Spirit. Under what were you baptized? Under John's baptism. I remember in the book of Matthew chapter 3, or Luke chapter 3, where John, you remember, came and said, He that cometh after me is preferred before me, and when he has come, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now you have here Jews and proselytes. They had walked in the truth that they had, and the Lord added more to them. Why do you and I know so little? It's because... We don't walk in the truth God's already given to us. Let me just stop here for a moment. If you want to know truth, you better walk in the light of the truth you already have. See, friend, God doesn't just take all his truth and pour it upon you. you. You don't have the capacity for all the truth. None of us do. We grow slowly in capacity. And I receive from the Word of God, and you receive from the Word of God according to your capacity to receive it. That's what the Lord meant in, in John chapter 16, verses 12, 13, and 14, when he said, There are many things I want to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. You see, as you walk in the truth, he adds to it. If I do not walk in the light of the truth that I already have, I don't get any more. Why don't Christians grow? Because they do not walk in the light of the truth they already have. Now, here are 12 men. They're Jews. Jews of the diaspora. When Gentiles, they were Jews. Paul found them in the synagogue. 
they were different to the rest of the folk in the synagogue. He saw a reality, a hunger for God. And he said, Under what were you baptized? Under John's baptism. And Paul gave them the gospel, rebaptized them. He baptized them all over again in the name of the Lord Jesus, and he raised his hands upon them, apostolic authority. And the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. Now, I want to just stop here for a moment. You'll notice this is true in the book of Acts. The Jews believed, were baptized, and then received the Spirit of God. At Samaria, where they're part Jews and Gentiles, they believed the Word of God, they were baptized, they received the Spirit of God by Peter and John laying hands upon them. In chapter 10, you have the Gentiles. They believed the gospel, received the Spirit of God on believing, and then were baptized in water. Come back to chapter 19. And here we have Jews, believed the gospel, were baptized, then received the Spirit of God. What am I trying to say to you? If you take the book of Acts, and remember the book of Acts is a transitional book. It starts with the gospel in Jerusalem and ends in Rome. And all the way through you have the movement of the Spirit of God all through the book of Acts. The trouble with a great many people who build their doctrine on the book of Acts, they haven't gone through the whole book of Acts. For some reason they haven't seen the movement of the Spirit of God from one to the other. Can I take the time to do this? Refresh your memory. In chapters 1 and 2, Peter preaches to Israel, the nation Israel, and pleads with them. If you repent, be converted, you'll send Jesus back to you. Chapter 4 and 5, Peter speaks to the leaders of Israel. Chapter 6, you have Hellenistic Jews chosen to be deacons. Now mark the movement, and the movement is away from Jerusalem. They pick seven Hellenistic Jews to be, we call them deacons, Philip, Stephen, and the rest of them. Chapter 8, the movement, the gospel goes out to the Samaritans. Chapter 9, you have the Apostle Paul, a Jew saved. In chapter 10, you have the gospel going to the Gentiles, the house of Cornelius. Then in chapter 12, Peter is in jail, and that's the end of Peter. Starting 13, you have Paul and his companions. First missionary journey, second missionary journey. And now when he starts his third missionary journey, he comes down to, the, to Ephesus and finds these Jews in the synagogue. And what happened? They believed the gospel. They were baptized and received the Spirit of God. Notice the form I'm trying to give to you. In the early church, it's not so now. Israel has been scattered on the face of the earth. But as long as Israel was a nation, up to 70 AD, the Jews believed, were baptized, received the Spirit. Gentiles believed, received the Spirit when they believed. And then they were baptized as an outward manifestation or testimony of their faith in Christ. Furthermore, notice four different groups for the first time received the Spirit of God. Israel in chapter 2. Samaritans in chapter 8. Gentiles in chapter 10. The Jews of the diaspora, this passage here, chapter 19. And it's never again mentioned. It's never again mentioned. 
Well, you didn't want this. It's an amazing thing how the Spirit of God has moved and the gospel leaves Jerusalem where the apostles are and it moves to Antioch. Antioch now becomes the center of missionary activity as we found in chapter 16, God turned Paul's face westward instead of eastward because he knew the aggressiveness of the people of the West. So when we come here to chapter 19, he comes down to Ephesus. He found this great synagogue at Ephesus, found these men who were disciples of John. They weren't Christians. They were told to believe on him that should come. They knew nothing about the Spirit of God. And so Paul revealed to them the truth of the gospel, coming of the Spirit of God, laid hands on them, and they received the Spirit of God evident by speaking in tongues. Where was this? In the synagogue. This is not out in the Gentiles. It was a synagogue among the Jews. Fulfilling, of course, what you have in Isaiah 28, with stammering lips and another tongue, will I speak to this people Israel. Yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Now starting in at chapter 19, 8 to 12, we have the gospel and its power. First seven verses, how the gospel was received by simple faith and then confirmed in the hearts of these dear Jews. Now you have from 8 to 12, the gospel and its power. And then we'll have the gospel and its opposition in our next lesson. The Lord bless you today for his precious name's sake. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary, life begins at Calvary.